We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Our second podcast of the day on uh, Patrick Beverly Trade Day. Uh, I had this preset with uh, with Michael Rand um, from the Star Tribune to just talk about like oh any sort of Timberwolves content. Rand wrote an article like let's uh, let's do this, but now. We got to talk more Patrick Beverly. Then we'll get to our over-unders conversation, Rand. Michael Rand is my guest from the Star Tribune, digital sports writer uh, at the Strib, OG blog boy. Probably like the first, the first, boy. the first blogger, seriously, that I read like back in the day. You've been, you've been doing it forever. Uh, I love all your stuff. And now you're hosting uh, the Daily Delivery Podcast for the Strib. Michael, how are you? I'm good, Dane. How are you doing? I'm good, man. It's uh, I feel like I needed 24 hours to recover from like Vegas and tiredness. And that was yesterday. And uh, today's actually my birthday. And oh, yeah, happy birthday. So, I saw that. Thank you, thank you're, you. you're 32. Is that right? I am. I you am 32. And now uh, people will probably think I'm pining for like birthday love because it's the second time I've told a guest on the podcast today <laughs> that it's my birthday. Um, it's fine. It's, your birthday should be celebrated. It's it's all good. It's a uh, happy birthday. You're significantly and, and, younger than me, so good for you. <laughs> I I am, and I am younger than Patrick Beverly, which yeah, is the, he, you now are not the you know you're not older than everybody on the team. I, that is that's a you know that's a big deal. I'm still Britt still got some age on the guys mm. in the locker room. J.K. J, Jace is the youngest. People don't know how Jace is even younger than I am, and yeah. he's been doing it forever too. Right. We got a we got a great we got a good wolf speed. Okay, all right, man. So overdue for having you on just to talk about wolves in general i think actually beverly you know coming into this team is a is an interesting segue into like how competent you know can this can this team be this season can they get to 500 can they can they really move the needle this year where were you at um i guess this morning before you heard the news of this trade looking at this team and you know does this move the needle for you at all yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like before before the move, I was just kind of like I was kind of like everybody. I was like, they haven't done much, right? They just right. they've they did the Rubio trade for you know for Prince, which you know addresses a need kind of. I don't know if Prince is exactly the four that they that they have in their hopes mm-hmm. and dreams of of an upgrade this offseason, but 
it made sense to a certain degree. You picked up a second round pick, you got some cap space and, you know, so it, it was, it was, but it was one of those moves where it's like, okay, if, if you were talking this game going into the off season, like, oh yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do all these things. Or you, we, we want to upgrade. We want to swing to the fences. And then it's like, uh, you just haven't done much. Like how much can you expect to improve from within? How much do we make of the last right. three, four weeks of the season? I just, it's hard to evaluate the end of a lost season, especially you know, the end of the COVID year, like different teams are playing for different things. Some teams want to lose. Other teams are, you know, in playoff position, but they don't really care that much if they win. They just want to rest guys and get ready. So I'm trying to, I was trying not to put too much stock in the end of the season last year, even though I, it's clearly they played better, clearly good that they got a lot of their guys to play together. So my thought was, I felt like they were overrating a little bit this idea of continuity and how well they how relatively well they played towards the end of the last season. That was a little bit kind of down on the idea of just another year for them to get better. Beverly doesn't change that a whole lot yet. I think what it does is it's a, it's a, it's a move that gives them a, a clear rotation identity piece, right? Like Jared right. Culver wasn't going to be in the rotation probably, or if he was, it was going to be because something surprising happened in camp. Wancho had a role, but you know, is it really like this really necessary role? Torian Prince kind of does what Wancho does, right? And maybe does right. it a little bit better. So you, you traded two guys for somebody who clearly makes sense. Somebody who's, you know, got a lot of run in the playoffs last year, got, you know, has played big moments, plays good defense. I mean, you know, I looked it up, you know, two years ago, he was number one in defensive uh, RPM, something like that. So like uh, for point guards. So, you mm -hmm. know, like, Patrick Beverly has a defined skill set that they can use and that they need. So from that standpoint, it moves the needle. I'm just, I don't know, you know, he's a, he's a rotation player and he's 33 and, and how much does that transform a roster that really isn't that much different? Yeah, I, I know. I, I'm totally with that. And, you know, kind of in taking a little bit of time this afternoon to actually like visualize, all right, you know, what is, what does this look like specifically kind of, comparing the, the end of the last season group, which had Ricky Rubio, right? And now you kind of have Patrick Beverly in that role. Um, what I had said before, I think like, you know, maybe Rubio is a better overall player, but to the defensive point, I think we like know that Patrick Beverly is a very competent on ball defender that will be valuable with D'Angelo Russell to be able to put D'Lo off ball, whatever, all those sort of things. Now you can, you can guard at the point of attack with Beverly when he's out there. But I think, Really, a big thing is Patrick Beverly can shoot the ball. Yes. And and Ricky Rubio can't. I, I was going through it, and these are Rubio's just catch and shoot. These are his his catch and shoot three-point numbers the last five seasons. Last year, 31.5%, 41% the year before in Phoenix, 33.7% Utah, 37.6% in Utah, 32.1% in Minnesota back in 16-17. Overall, that's 35% catch and shoot over the past five years. Patrick Beverly, the past five years, is 41.4%, 40.8%, 41%, 41.5%, 39.3%. That's 40.6%. consistent, too. There's and it's very consistent. And a, and, a lot of, and a lot of volume. Um, so I, I think, like, D'Lo is a tricky variable in the whole point guard situation, right? You need to have a guy who can play with D'Angelo Russell, as as your backup point guard, if you're going to invest 10 plus million dollars in them like you did in Rubio, like you did in Beverly, like you want them to be able to play together. Yes. And I think this 
archetype of point guard that Patrick Beverly is, is a far better fit with D'Angelo Russell than the archetype of Ricky Rubio, which was an overall better player probably. But as I continue to think on it over the course of the day, in that Rubio versus Beverly vacuum, that might just be a win, like straight up. Yeah, I, I think so. I think he just, you know, sometimes you you evaluate, you know, you look at the players' numbers, you, you break it down, and then you think about kind of roster fit. And he just, he seems like he makes sense. You just say Patrick Beverly, you imagine him on the court, and you're like, <laughs> I want him in a lot of lineups. Like, I, I want to see him with a lot of different combinations just because of what he can do, because he can, he's fairly versatile offensively, because he does defend. And, you know, actually one thing that I was thinking about as I was writing about this today and kind of trying to analyze the trade a little bit was when you had Finch and Rosas on, and I think Rosas has talked about this at various other times, is this roster doesn't have a lot of what they term two-way players, basically guys who Mm -hmm. can do offense and defense. That sounds very simple, right? Like, you'd like to be good at both. Uh, They don't have a lot of guys. (laughs) Patrick Beverly is a rare uh, two-way player on this roster who, you know, obviously I think defense is more of his calling card now. He's not going to score 20 points a game, but he has a, he can shoot the ball and he's, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not an offensive liability. You have to pay attention to him um, if you're you're playing defense. So he is a two-way player. They don't have a lot of those guys. And for that reason, you know, and Rubio was, kind of like that. He, he could defend and he could play offense, but in a different way and maybe right. in a less valuable way on this roster. Yeah. Rubio is kind of like a team concept to a player, right? Like defensively, he's in the right spots, right? He, he's, he's filling the gaps. He's not, he's not making any sort of mental mistakes. And on offense, he's providing offensive value also kind of in a cerebral way, right? But it's not, it's not very specific, and another thing that Finch said on, on the pod with me was they want high impact, low usage players. Yeah. And while Rubio, I think, has a positive impact, I would say he's a higher usage player in that, you know, kind of to engage him, you got to let him run a little bit more point. I don't think you have to do that with Patrick Beverly. If, if you again, if you just look at his like his shot chart, almost like 60 percent of his shots, Patrick Beverly's are threes. Yeah. And and Rubio, it's like a third. If you over those those five years. So you have Beverly, who has a very specific offensive role that is marginally positive. And then I think you have that the same thing on the defensive end. I, I just again, as we talk through it more, I think the specificity of what Beverly brings as a specific piece, I I I like I like how that works. Now the, obviously the other side of it is he's 33 years old. Um I mean we we saw him at times last season, I would say defensively be a little overmatched. Obviously, everyone's going to be overmatched against Luka, but he got played off the floor defensively in that first series against the Clippers. So I don't know. Is Patrick Beverly a, a terrific player? No, but you didn't give up anything really no. in my mind for him. I think honestly, you probably dodged a bullet in Culver. Yes. It, because I think I don't know. I would have been very curious to see if Gerson Rosas would have guaranteed no way that. I mean, and, and I think that, it's a no been, way for all of us, emba- and that would have been embarrassing for him to have to say we're not picking up this guy's yes. fourth year option, and this was my first draft pick, and he was number six overall. Yes, yes. So maybe a dodge, dodge bullet by by him there as well. I, I'm just uh, 
don't know, you kind of read some of the you know national people or whatever talking about it, or even like Woj said, he's like, oh, you know, Culver's only 22, and he was the sixth overall pick, so there's like some asset value there. I was surprised when I saw the deal come through that there was no picks attached from the Wolves to quote-unquote dump either of those guys, because I would just, I would think that if they were both magically free agents this summer, I highly doubt Culver would get the contract that he's on, particularly the two-year part. And I definitely don't think, I think Wancho would probably be a minimum player. I think it'd be, I mean, they're both league guys, like they should be in the league, but I don't know. I I, that's, I feel like, no, I'm really like, ooh, pounding the table. Like right. this trade is awesome. But as I go through like detail by detail of it, I, I think it's, it's a win similar to the way that like the Prince Rubio trade was a win, like a eh, win, you know, like right. nothing that 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 blows you away. It's certainly not a star player, but it, it's something to be pleased about. I think if you're a Wolves fan. Yeah, they got better on the margins and it was, you know, I think what makes it probably more palatable for Memphis is they get a look at Culver. It's pretty yeah. low risk look because both of those guys can more or less be expiring still too if they don't pick up Culver's option, if they just let Wancho's, you know, team option be, you know, don't pick up that team option. They can kind of get off that salary too. But I don't I'm surprised. I don't I don't know what they're doing because don't they have 17 guys under contract now? I don't know what Memphis is doing, like period. I don't I have the weird strategy to to I, I thought, you know, okay, so they they made this trade, they got these guys, now they're open to trading them because they got 16 guaranteed contracts. They just flipped one of them for two more guaranteed contracts. What are they doing? I, I don't know. And and weird things given up. They like gave up Grayson Allen, who was like a actually pretty good rotation player this year. They gave up on the Justice Winslow experience experiment. Um, I don't know if Steven Adams is an upgrade from Jonas Valanciunas. I it not that I've like dug into what are the Memphis Grizzlies doing, but because every time I've kind of seen something come through, I'm like. I don't know. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll go. I'll go look at that later. I don't think, though, with Jarrett Culver specifically, that we have like any sort of. Or do uh, you answer this? Do we have any sort of like David Ortiz thing there? I mean, I what have like we said? The, I didn't like the pick when they made it, and I liked it even less when he played. I, he's a good guy. He's he's. You can see what the skill set is, but. If he can't shoot, he's he's not going to be in the league that long. It's just it's just guys like that totally. need to shoot thirty five to thirty seven percent from three, or it's just not going to work. I think you know. I, okay, if we if we paint out the how it works for Culver situation, what what I have been saying for the past year or so is like you got to let the kid work from the mid range. He's not you know he's not a three point shooter. That's what he did at Texas Tech. He was like that you know, secondary kind of ball handler. And that doesn't mean come in and shoot a bunch of 16 footers, but let him get in there. Let him distribute. Let him like play a game that wasn't a strict, okay, you're just shooting threes sort of role. So if Jared Culver has a good season, I think, I think you'll see him play in a very different manner than he did in Minnesota. The Wolves are so, you know, space yeah. and pace and shooting a bunch of threes. Like he, that, that's not him. Can Jared Culver be, it's kind of like what Tyus Jones does there now, right? Like, look, you know, look to create a little bit, establish a floater, do some things in that sort of way. Like, I could see Jared Culver with confidence being a competent player. I just think that type of play, that style of play was never going to be okay in a Gerson Rosa's system. Gerson Rosa's Ryan Saunders, Chris Finch, like, they weren't ever going to let him play a more 
early 2000s style of basketball where I think Taylor Jenkins in Milwaukee, you know, he's from the pop tree, right? Where they do play through the mid-range. They do do some of those sort of things. So even if Culver, this is maybe me like covering my tracks, even if if Culver does have a good season, I think he will be doing things well that he would not have been allowed to do, period, if he were in Minnesota. Which makes it all the stranger that they traded up to pick him number six overall. Yes, it just does. And and it was Gerson Rosas. It was. It was who, his first who, pick. And who, yeah, every who picked other, him who knew he wanted to play that way. It doesn't every, make sense. Every other thing they've done in the draft in, you know, undrafted sure. agency has been pretty good, right? Like you, you could say Jalen Noel, second round, it looks like he's got at least a, a chance. You know, sure. McLaughlin and Naz Reed as, as undrafted free agents, then Edwards, McDaniels, Bolmaro. Like it's been fine. It's just the Culver pick. So it's hard to nitpick, but that was the number six pick. Like you don't want to miss on those to that extent if that's what's going to happen it, that draft maybe wasn't the greatest draft in the world either so you know it's it's hard at, at number six to yeah. be kind of a lot of wide variance on that too but yeah it is i do think though like a lot of times we watch gms try and make their guy work right yeah. and they'd be a little bit too patient with him i think rosa's now you know has waved the white flag and and can at least sell it that well patrick beverly is even if he quote unquote still believes in Jarrett Culver, he can still pitch that Patrick Beverly is a better fit on this team, brings more of what they need, defense and shooting, veteran leadership, tenacity, all those sort of things. And I think he would be right, you know, to to say all those things. So I'm I don't know. I, I'm gonna be interested to see once this roster's all done, like what is the narrative, right? Yeah. What 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 are what are the messaging? What is the messaging gonna be from the Timberwolves that come out to be like what this is what we're going to be. I asked Rosas and Finch on that on the pod, like, do they think this is going to be a playoff team? And they stayed away from that. And he Rosas stayed away from that last year, too, when Chris asked him about it and his before the season article that that he wrote. I don't know, man. I think you got to kind of make the playoffs here. And I think Patrick Beverly, right? That probably moves you in that direction. You got to get close, at least. Like, you got to be in the conversation. This can't be like another... I think we're going to get better. And then we win 28 games season. It's got to be like, you know, we'll get to the over under in a minute, but this is maybe is a natural transition to, right. you know, that over under number is 34.5. Like that's not the playoffs, but if you're close to that number or maybe, you know, trending a little above that number, you're at least going to be in the mix for 60 to 70 games this year. And I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's necessarily good enough this year, but that's kind of like the, the low, low baseline of, of how Slow. good you need to be this year. Like you need to be in the conversation to win 35 to 38, maybe 40 games. And if things go better than that, then you really feel good about yourself. I mean, personally, my estimation, I think if the Timberwolves do not win more games than they lose next season, there will be massive changes in to that team, which is maybe unfair, but that wouldn't be the first time, you know, in, in sports where, somebody is let go for only meeting expectations and not, you know, it not exceeding them. So we got to see how the rest of this roster sort of shakes out and, and put together what a, what an actual fair estimation of wins and losses is. But that's, that's where I'm at in my head. Like, yeah, they got to be over 500. Maybe I just, I feel like he's going to get maybe a tiny bit more grace just because both of those seasons were impacted by COVID and we in different ways. And it, it, do you get, almost like a half 
uh, six to six to twelve months of of extended buildup where you say, okay, it got better this year, and now it's really going to get better. But you know, again, the, the clock is ticking on Cat, so that that's the other right. you know thing that's looming in this. That they definitely, you and I definitely agree, they have to be better this year. I think the degree to which they have to be better is maybe slightly cha- slightly different there. Uh, Mike, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about those uh, those over unders. General managers ask questions like, is Patrick Beverly good when they're hiring people? And when you're hiring, you can use Indeed assessments to help make you find candidates with the skills you need. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring people incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. With Indeed assessments, choose from 135 skilled tests to help you make sure you're finding applications from people with the skills you need. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offered valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Mike. So you wrote today um, a, a piece about, we were texting about this yesterday, about the, the Timberwolves over under. Um, and how it is set at 34 and a half wins, which I personally think is lo- like, a, I don't know if I had to bet on it, I would bet on the over and I would have before this, this Patrick Beverly trade. And I don't know where you're, you actually are at of if you had to put money on it, but what you detailed today in, in your post up at startribune.com was that the wolves never hit the over. Or Rarely. basically never, yes. <laughs> never. So Rarely. Run, run, run the run the listeners through this. So yeah, I, I had I was just curious because actually I I you know when the over under number came out the other day and there was some Twitter chatter about it, I was like, uh, someone asked me, have the you know have the wolves ever actually hit the over? And I was like, <laughs> wow, that's oh. a good question. Like I was there like maybe in the Butler year, and I was like, no, that was the no, that number that year was forty eight and a half. So there's like huge optimism that year. They almost hit it. They mm. had forty seven. So it's not like that was a a failed year, but I went back and looked basketball reference actually has a good database of this. It was actually made it pretty easy for me. I thought, am I going to be able to find this information? I have to like, look at like Google year by year and try to find like who posted these at the beginning of the year. No, but basketball reference actually had, had every year that I wanted except for one. And then I could kind of fudge that one. I'll explain how I did that. Um, so I went back every year after the Western conference finals trip. So the last 17 seasons, uh, they've hit the over three out of those 17 years, three and 14. So if you were betting on the Wolves and you bet the over every year, you're just a confident Wolves fan. You're like, this is the year uh, you would have lost money 14 out of those 17 years. The last time they hit the over was the Sam Mitchell, uh, the year Sam Mitchell took over for Flip in the last, uh, you know, right at the, right at the start of the season. I think the number and they only year, won 29 games. Yeah, the number yeah. that year was like 27 and a half, and they won 29. And the the year be, the year they did it before that was like Rubio's rookie season. The number was like 23 and a half, and they won 26. Now that was the 66 game season, so you know, mm-hmm. not you know, 26 and 40, and they were trending to be an even much better team before Rubio got hurt that year. 
I think the only other one was like 07, 08 when their number was like 19 and a half and they won 22. <laughs> so like every year there's expectations. They don't hit the number like the Butler year. They got close the year with, you know, when Adelman was coaching Rubio and love and, and Pekovich and those guys were all going pretty good. The number was 40 and a half and they got to 40. So, you know, it's not like it's not like it's getting routed every time, but I went all the way back. And yeah, the, the only one they didn't have perfect data for was the 04, 05 season. But I, I looked at it and it said their championship odds that year were like plus 500. So they were like second best championship odds that year. I'm like, no way in an over right. under scenario where they under 44 that year, like 44 was what they wound up with. So I, I gave them credit for a, a non-win that year as, as well. So three out of 17. So I guess they're, you know, I don't know what that says. It's just, they, they constantly have come up short of whatever expectations have been put out there for them. So is that like, do you think this 34 and a half bakes that in? I mean, it seems low, right? Do you not think that seems low? I think it seems accurate, to be honest. <laughs> I do. Okay. I mean, I, you know, you just, you're, you know, what I, what I tweeted after saying, I think it's accurate is if Carl Anthony Towns plays 75 games or more this season, I think the over is a good, is, is a reasonable bet or guess or however you want to look at it. I think. So much depends on his health, with having, which hasn't been great the last two seasons, but the first four of his career, like the first three, he didn't miss a game. Mm -hmm. And I think the year after that, he missed five. Like he was a durable player and so he started having these, you know, the wrist injuries and the you know, COVID obviously Me interrupted his and, season. Yeah, yeah he, he's had a lot of different things. If, if he stays healthy, I mean, that's kind of that and the development of Anthony Edwards and to a, you know, a secondary degree, like keeping Beasley and... Um, uh, you know, McDaniel's on the right track. Obviously, D'Lo, you know, like the 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 secondary pieces. But it all comes down to Cat and and Does Cat stay healthy? How motivated is Cat this season? Looks like he's been working out. He definitely likes to post pictures and videos of it. So, <laughs> um, you know, if, if that happens, I think it's 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 certainly possible. I think they could they could go over by a handful of games. But you know, they're this team is, is also just one injury away from being under. That's just what it is. Okay. Let me, let me take the other side of the argument and I need some of your help here. Do you remember what the over under was last season? Yeah, it was 29 and a half, but, and that was in a shortened 72 season, game so. season. So prorated, it's probably not 32. quite what it is. You know, if, if you, if you guessing it's probably yeah. more like 33, something like that. So pretty close to what it would have been in this 82 game season last year. Okay. So let's take that. And and they won twenty three, and and they won twenty three. So they so they were, but obviously a lot of different factors go into the twenty three. Maybe some of which is they were overrated, but I mean you, whatever you think of Cat and Delo, let's just say they haven't improved at all. But what about everything else? I mean Anthony Edwards, the expectations on him were extremely low. I think last season, particularly with no training camp, all the things we've heard a million different times. I mean, my belief in Anthony Edwards today versus 12 months ago of how he can impact. I mean, I would have said last year, if we were doing this, that I think Anthony Edwards will be a minus player this season. He will not get you wins. I think it's pretty safe to say that Anthony Edwards will be a positive impact player on the team. Yes. Not to, not to mention that. You know, Jade McDaniels, who, again, 12 months ago, I would have been like, ah, what are, I, I don't, this kid looks three years away from being able to play. Now, Jade McDaniels looks like the only other two-way player on this roster other than Patrick Beverly. And 
with some, you know, maybe some upside for a mini sort of leap this year, even off of a good year last season. So I think you take that, you you take away the bad fit of Rubio and Beasley. I don't know how that would have been baked in there. I just think to me, if we call it 33 last year, I think there's, and if that was reasonable, I think it's reasonable to bake in a handful more wins than that number was, particularly when you consider where Cat was at coming, you know, coming into last year. And I think you have a lot better of a coach now, you know, that that could have another another positive impact. So, yeah, injury, you're right. But to me, the number I've had in my head with this team, you know, leading up to this week was like 36, 37 wins. And I, I thought that was kind of conservative. I know I've talked to Britt and he was like, he said 500. Um, I think John was like 38. You know, I, I mean, I think for those of us who cover this team, yourself included, who aren't necessarily optimists about them, even had a more optimistic projection than, than 34 and a half. Do you disagree that, with that? Yeah, I think that's fair. I just, I, um, and it's no fun to be pessimistic, right? It's no fun to go into the season. It's no fun. No. Nobody wants to bet the under, right? Like you wouldn't, you know, if <laughs> you're a Timberwolves fan, you wouldn't be like, ah, this is going to be great. I'm going to root for them to lose uh, all year <laughs> long. Like, you know, so nobody wants to bet that the over is always a, a more fun guess, all a more fun bet. And you don't have to squint that hard to see how they get past 34 and a half. It's just, you know, until they do it, until they do it mm. from the start of the year, until they, you know, and again, this is something that was on your podcast with them. This was something that they have to learn. This is something that they've harped on. Like until they learn how to put together two, three, four professional performances in a row where they don't say, ah, oh, we won. Now we can take a night off. Now we right. can, now we don't have to win next time. The, the pressure's off. Like until they kind of get that and maybe, you know, Maybe the thing is, like, maybe if they if they do, maybe this year is more like they kind of maybe you know you can see a scenario where they blow past thirty four and a half. Like, I, I feel like there's still a pretty wide variance here with with mm -hmm. what this team could be. I think you know a, a key injury to this team, and they could be below thirty. And if everything breaks right, I think they could be forty five. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, if they hit the under, that is. That's a disaster. That's a disaster. Yeah. That's 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 when you start talking about do you have to trade cat? Because he's gonna be upset. Like it's gonna be like, this is my seventh year and this isn't working. If the Timberwolves win less than 34 games, I would be shocked if Carl Anthony Towns is on the team for the, the following season. I would I would bet that he would be, you know, he would be on a because because the then today you, yeah, go then, ahead. You, then you reboot and it's like this is Ant's team and you rebuild around that timeline, mm -hmm. not this one. Well, like Embiid signed the his Supermax extension today, right? Like, and he's one year ahead of Cat in the, you know, the the timeline of of when you can sign these deals. And so that's gonna be on the table for Cat next year. You know, it'll depend on if he can get the Supermax or just the max based on whether he makes all NBA, all that sort of stuff. But like we're talking 12 months from now, it's you know, it's it's decision time, not just for the Wolves if they wanna, you know pay that but if cat if he wants to commit to it right so so yeah the i mean the only way to me that cat is in the long-term picture is if again i even if it's 35 36 and you've hit this over i still don't think 
I still don't think he would be around. I think this team needs to be a winning team next year to not go in the younger direction the the following season. Yeah, I think there's probably some wiggle room in there depending on how it feels, how how they got to that number. But right, I think I think true. you're on the right. I think you're on the right track. I think if if they don't take a pretty significant step this season and you know get into the play in tournament at least something like that you know get, be a top 10 team in the west which you know the west has been a really good conference for so many years i don't think it's great next year i, I don't think you can say there's sure. 10 teams that are clearly you know just better than the timberwolves going into the season that they have no chance to at least compete for top 10 or even top 8 but they got to do it like that's just it like we've we've had optimism about these teams before like the the first year Thibodeau was here. It was like, oh, got the coach, got Wiggins, got Towns. Let's roll. And they won, what, 31 games right. that year? Like, I don't think they hit the over <laughs> in any of Tibbs' years. So it's, you know, you still got to do it. It, it. As good as it might look, you still got to do it. So in, in the context of what, you know, quote unquote Vegas or points bet is what you and I were both using for for these yeah. over-unders, they, there's three teams in the West who have a lower projected win total than the Timberwolves. The Thunder, 23 and a half. The Rockets, 25 and a half. The Spurs, 28 and a half. And then tied in 11-12 is the Timberwolves and the Kings at 34 and a half. So they are being projected to not even make the play-in because the Pelicans are at the 10 at 38 and a half. The Grizzlies are at the 9 at 41. And, you know, the Blazers and Clippers are there at the 7-8 at 44 and a half. So, I mean... Again, if those numbers represent any sort of real realistic sort of projection, I mean, 500 is almost what you're going to need to be in in the play in tournament there, yeah. which I do think is a fair line for expectations this season. Yeah, I think I think we're you know, probably parsing two or three wins here. I feel like if they get to 38, 39 wins this year mm -hmm. and are in that play-in hunt, and then you can say, well, look, look how much better we got this year. We're clearly on the right track. Now we can take one more swing. And by the way, if uh, if if the Woj talk today of, hey, the Wolves are being persistent on Ben Simmons, if they get Ben Simmons, uh, by all means, uh, drop a lot of your money on the over because that's almost a guaranteed over at that point. Where are you at on Simmons? I listened to you and Chris oh. on your pod uh, what was that? Maybe a couple, couple weeks, weeks back. Ago? Yeah, Chris was like real anti Simmons trade. Where, where have how have you evolved I'm, on that? I want it. I think it's I think it's the absolute <clears throat> thing to do. Like if if you you're Minnesota, right? You are not going to attract a free agent here. You're just not. And you didn't have your draft pick this year. And if you think you're going to be good going forward, you or at least you're hoping you're going to be good. Like you, you're not you're not in. You're not getting, you know, probably a, a home run from the draft unless you get lucky at this point, because now you're going to be drafting like, you know, if if you're the team you hope you're going to be, you're drafting like, you know, at least in the teens. Right. Like, mm -hmm. so that's not that's not where you're going to get your, your next great player. Like, I don't look at this roster right now and say it's got the potential to do anything even in two or three years better than second round of the playoffs. I just don't unless something, you know, unless they got really lucky, like Jaden McDaniels becomes a superstar. Like mm -hmm. Ant is just like top five player in the league instead of just, you know, looking like he's going to be pretty good. I just don't see it. So you can add a caliber player of Ben Simmons, who I think fits the roster pretty well. 
Um, despite his shooting liabilities, is another one of those two-way players where he gives you yep. something tremendous on offense. Um, not everything you want, um, but obviously the defense is is there too. If you can do a package and somehow make it work, if it was like Beasley and Russell and two firsts, I would absolutely do that. I would. I don't think I would bat an eyelash at that at all. What if Jade McDaniels was in it? That's harder. It's harder. Protect um, the first. Protect the first. So let's go D'Lo, Beasley, two protected first. So they're not, you know, they're not dreamy picks. They're still first, but, you know, not sexy picks. And then Jade McDaniels is the real blue chip piece that's going out. Mm, but that's that's a lot. That's a lot. I'd have to think about that one a lot more. But I'd don't say- you think that, like, that is what is going it is going to require? It might. It might be. I mean, that that could be Particularly it. Particularly if it's a three-team trade, yeah. as Woj was saying today. Yeah. It's it's going to hurt if they get Simmons. And I'm I'm more generally with you on the pro-Simmons pro side of it. Um, you know, and not to get, like, too caught up in summer league or anything. Or, but, you know, I, I, I think, I think Jaden McDaniels is probably a top five, six player from last year's draft class. That's that's a nice, you know, that's a that's a really nice piece. And I just don't we do the Beasley Russell and two first sort of thing and maybe even unprotect them a lot. I just can't envision Philly and or third team X not saying, hey, McDaniels has to be on the table in this. And maybe maybe we take off a first or or, or something in that process. Take off a first and maybe I'm maybe I'm in for that. I just feel like that's. Once you add in McDaniels, yeah, I think the two firsts is too much. And who's who's mm-hmm. Team X? Do you think in this scenario is it Washington? Is it Bradley Beal? Yeah, it's going to depend on like this even opening up as a possibility. Like, there's going to be a couple of doors that right that they're going to have to like go through first. If that is you know Beal leaving or Lillard leaving or whatever it might be, the one I was on at the beginning of the year or beginning of the offseason was Toronto with Kyle Lowry. And you know, I, I yeah. think. Yeah, now, you know, now he's Miami, but I just feel like he was a guy who, if you feel you can tell yourself is better than Ben Simmons, right? He's done it. He's done it at least. Yeah. Right, right. At least for this year, you know, it gives him a better chance to win a championship this year. I thought that was such an important variable in Simmons ultimately going out and then potentially being rerouted to the Wolves. I don't know. I mean, to your question, I don't know. I don't know what that third team is. I think it would probably be really complicated and it would be very hard for us to hypothesize. But, you know, as I as I go on and that path is out with Lowry gone, I'm just kind of at this point where I can't see it not including Jaden McDaniels. And personally, I kind of do view this as either got to lean into the ant and Jaden window, or you got to lean into the cat and D'Lo window. And I'm not against leaning into the cat and D'Lo window. That would be going for Simmons. But if it comes at the cost of kind of ruining, I'm not ruining, you still have ant, but really you just can't have both, right? You can't have both. I don't, and I, I don't know. I mean, this is all very up in the air. We don't know. I don't know what, what it would ultimately cost to get these guys, but as time goes on, I'm more and more into the idea of, you know, a four or five year future where the focus is more so on Ant and Jaden than it is on Cat and Dilo because just subjectively, I have some doubts about the long term of 
Cat and or D'Lo sticking around. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, if, if you go, if you if you do that deal, if you if you say, okay, McDaniels is on the table, you are very clearly setting yourself up for this is kind of the let's do something big in these two three years and make sure that these guys are happy because otherwise it all gets blown up and then you know, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world because you've still got Anthony Edwards and if mm-hmm. things don't go well with that nucleus it's not like you can't I mean, that team trade. might be really awesome it's not like you, and it's not like you can't trade cat and you can't trade Simmons again if things don't go well sure. but it's it's that's the bigger gamble but if you're Gerson Rosas um, that's what I was going to say how how practical is leaning into the the nucleus of 19 year olds versus the nucleus of you know mm-hmm. early early veteran 24 25 year olds like, those are the guys that win in this league um, I think if you can get Simmons even if it costs McDaniels who I think we probably overrate a little bit here just because we've never seen Fair. defense um, it, it, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's worth doing I think the a big variable is Mark Laurie. Yeah. What does what does he is he is he cool with like going all in? I mean, this would be the trade for Ben Simmons would kind of be like doing the Jimmy Butler Tibbs thing all over again. Like in in a way, right? It, it's is it a know, short it's cut? Is, all, it, is it a shortcut? That's that's what I want to know. Is is yeah. would a Ben Simmons trade be a shortcut or could or could Rosas sell it as a this is a guy on the same timeline? I mean. The Jimmy Butler thing was a shortcut. Yes. But we all believed in it at the time. Who was out there being like, oh, no. Jimmy I, I Butler trade? Yeah, yeah, everyone did. It. Everyone and, did. And the mistake wasn't trading for Jimmy. The mistake was giving Wiggins the extension. Yes, totally. Totally. So that's why there's always the, you know, the the surrounding context of it. I, I just think, actually, it's kind of nice to have multiple different paths. If you're the Timberwolves that you can't, if you're Mark Laurie, right. Or whatever, yeah. or, or Timberwolves fans who are Laurie's going to own the team, you know, the us and the media, the fans that are, are watching this team. Like, I don't think either of those paths are, are a bad idea. Really. The only path I don't like, is kind of what they're doing right now, which is all right. Torian Prince and Patrick Beverly. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe 38 wins. I, I don't know. I just think, I, I do think it's it is a it is a weird spot. It's easier said than done to be like lean into lean into Ant and Jaden or right like that's complicated. How are you going to dump? Cat? That's so much easier said right. than done to trade Cat or that. So there's kind of an interim. They're in an interim year here, but yes, very soon I feel that they do need to pick a path because 12 months from now they're over under can't be. 37 wins again. Like, no, you got to you got to go, you, you know, you got to yeah. go with this team. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's, that's the thing. Like, do you, a Simmons move right now, if they were able to pull it off and they could swallow, you know, the, the terms of whatever was going out, that would be, you know, that would be, that's, that's what Rosas has wanted to do all along. This and, is what he said, but can he get it done? And, you know, ultimately will he have the, the kind of gumption to, to pull the trigger on that? Or will he say, Let's see what let's see what we got this year, and then kind of pivot, that. and then kind of pivot to okay, that didn't work great, but we like what we see in Ant and Jaden. Do we do we now trade Cat and try to start over again? I don't know. Oh man, it's I mean it's going to be interesting. It's for sure going to yeah. be interesting to see you know how this trans. There's so many different characters and yes. variables in it. An owner who's like kind of the owner, an owner who's. Kind yep. of your boss, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a, it's, a, have him it's on the just, podcast. That'd be great. <laughs> you know, we, we'll see. Well, you know what, Mike? I, I took a bunch of your time. I thought your your uh, your article was was really cool. I would. I don't know 
if I would have known, you kind of tipped me off to it. You're like, guess how many times when you texted me? Guess <laughs> how many close. times? Did I was, I was close. You were but, close. You know, you were, you, you were hinting. You were hinting. I would have thought the Adam and you would have been over. I close. knew the Jimmy year wasn't. wasn't. It was close. Yeah. The bottom line is you can hope all you want, but don't put your money on the Wolves over. It's just, just hope, hope that it gets better <laughs> until proven otherwise. Don't put any money on it. <laughs> uh, you can read everything that Rand does. Um, at, at startribune.com in the paper. Um, you guys are doing a terrific job covering this team. I'm really excited to, uh, to read Chris's piece um, on Mark Laurie, which I think is coming at some to-be-determined time. And uh, <laughs> you probably actually know. Uh, I but it's, actually, it, <laughs> actually don't know, but it's probably not coming super soon. I don't know. It's August 17th. People... Except for us, not a lot of people have wolves on the brain right now. So <laughs> that's that's fair. Uh, thank you for taking the time, and uh, we'll have to we'll have to do this again and talk before the season starts. Sounds good, Dane. Appreciate it. He's Randball on Twitter. Um, I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. I will talk to you later this week with Britt. Until then, peace out. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.